This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by New Club Golf Society, a humble community of golfers connected by our love for the game. Follow us on social media with the handle New Club Golf. Ryan French, Monday Q Info. Welcome to The Bag Drop. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, coming to us. We're live from, from where right now? Yeah, I'm in my backyard in Lombard, so... Uh... I'm a, I'm a Chicago, I'm not originally from Chicago, but I've been here uh, off and on for about 10 years. So, From Chicago, you're a local guy like, like many of us at New Club. Uh, we can play golf again in our, in our beautiful state of Illinois. Uh, so first question, where, where are you playing this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to head to Indiana. A follower uh, who, owns a, who owns a golf course in Indiana, in Crown Point, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away invited me over. So got a tea time tomorrow. As you know, it's a little bit difficult to, to find a tea time here. So uh, I'm going to head over there. They've been playing for a while, so it's not as packed. Is that uh, a lot of our members have been going to Crown Point. What's the name of the course? This is Oak Knoll. This guy, it's kind of a, I, I'm actually interested to hear the story. He just, uh, just took over and it's a really old course, like a hundred years old. And uh, they need some cash to, to, uh, like work on some things. So he invited me over and we'll go see how it is. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we've been cooped up for, for quite a while and, uh, it feels good to get some fresh air for a change. Yeah. I'd be happy to play any course. So, uh, this will be, I'll enjoy it for sure. So for our listeners that may not uh, follow you yet, uh, we should probably do a quick, introduction of monday q info or at a case of golf one on twitter um you have thirty-two thousand followers you provide updates stats and what i probably enjoy most is the incredible stories from these monday qualifiers and the uh you know protagonists in them the the mini terror pros um and, and really it's just stuff that doesn't get the spotlight anywhere else uh as a as a podcast that has our tagline the untold stories in golf i think you sir are the godfather of untold stories in golf so it's really an honor to uh to have you on here today thanks man i appreciate it yeah it's been uh it's been a crazy ride as as i've said many times is when i started this if i thought i would have uh 300 followers i thought that's a lot so uh it's it's crazy that i have 32,000 followers i uh it's, it's, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So the, the man behind the Twitter account, I kind of wanted to start to get to know you a little bit. This is our first time chatting. Uh, I've had, you know, m- members of mine that have actually requested you to come on this, sure. this show. Um, so they're all big fans of you. So, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about where you're from. I see the Michigan state Sparty, uh, yeah. you know, that you got wearing, where, where, where do you uh, come from? Yeah. So, uh, I'm originally from Northern Michigan, uh, Graduated from Michigan State, uh, worked in hospitality most of my life, so ran a group of restaurants for a long time. Um, and, and really the, the core of the account is a couple things. One, uh, my dad and I, after college, so I played at uh, a small community college in Michigan and then tried to walk on at Michigan State, and that was my wake-up call that, that uh, there was a lot better golfers out there in the world than I was. Um, and then, so after college, my dad and I, would take a yearly trip and mini tour or caddy on a mini tour. So we did Canada a lot, Hooters tour, e-golf, uh, a bunch of tours. So 
that was kind of our guys trip. And that was my introduction to the, like this side of, of, of pro golf. So we did that for, I mean, probably seven, eight years, uh, probably did that. And then I've continued to caddy in Monday qualifiers. I've done a few web events. I've done Q schools. So really I've just got to know a bunch of guys. So, uh, long story short, about, uh, two years ago, my son had brain surgery. Uh, the restaurant group that I was working for went bankrupt and, uh, I, and we lost our long-term nanny, all kind of a culmination of, of timing. And so, uh, I decided to be a stay-at-home dad and I really started the account to have an adult outlet and, uh, here we are. So it's been, like I said, it's been a crazy ride. Yeah. The story of how you got into this is probably not what most people would think. Uh, is there your dad and you traveling to mini tours? I think I've never heard of any father son combo doing that. So I, I I imagine you got your love of golf from your father and, and you played uh, collegially. So, you know, I, I kind of, I know that world a little bit, but where did your dad, was he the one instigating said, Hey, that's head to Canada and, you know, loop for some mini guys. Like, it's kind of funny. So, uh, it was my idea. And again, I had no, like, I had no recollection of what mini tours looked like or no understanding of what mini tours looked like. So the Canadian tour, this is pre McKinsey tour. This is just the Canadian tour was its own like developmental tour. And it was a good tour back then even. Uh, so I came up with the idea. I found one. My dad was, my parents still live in Northern Michigan. So we were trying to find something close. I was living in the Detroit area and, um, we found a mini tour event or the Canadian tour event in Toronto. So it was relatively close. We could drive. And I called the caddy master and I literally had no idea. I was like, Hey, can I caddy, you know? And he's like, do you know anything about golf? I was like, Oh, I played college golf and my dad's a good golfer. And they're like, he was so excited to have us there because most of the caddies were like kids or people who didn't know much about golf or they used to have a, like a, a little like tutorial the day before of where to stand. And they were more than happy to have someone with golf knowledge. So that was our introduction that like we got there and players like, Oh my God, yes, I'd love you to caddy like fighting over us because we knew how to pull out the flag and where to stand and not step in their line. So, uh, that was our introduction. I don't know why I came up with it. Uh, you're right. There's probably no one doing it. Uh, but it was a, it was a great trip. It was awesome. We loved it. And so from, from that first one on, you did a few more over sounded like half a dozen years. You, did you just stick with these guys and keep following people? Is that how it got going? Yeah. So, I caddied for a guy named Ryan Yip and the, the third or fourth time. I, so I met him the first trip and then, uh, I told him I was coming back the next year and he's like, Oh, he was still playing the Canadian tour and he was happy to have me. So he, uh, so he requested me and we actually, he actually won the tournament. And back then I knew like somewhat about caddying, but I really was just, I was probably more nervous coming down the stretch than he was. And, um, so from that, yeah, I caddied for him at Q school. I caddied for him on the web.com, but then we tried different things. I caddied for a couple guys down at Hooters event down in, uh, in North Carolina. And yeah, I just stayed in touch with these guys. So, 
uh, really that's again, the core of the account. Cause I was looking at these scores anyway, cause of either guys that we had played with or guys we'd caddied for or guys who won the tournament when we were at an event was like things that we were looking up and, and looking for. So I was kind of following all these mini tours anyway. Worlds just collided for me there for a second. So I'm from Akron, Ohio. I played my collegiate golf for the University of Akron Zips. Okay, yep. I played with Ryan Yip in college. Uh, yeah, yeah. He dust Yip, Yip dusted me like he dusted many. I was usually in the yep. four or five spot. He was the one yeah. guy pretty consistently. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, those guys, you know, there's so much that I think people connect with on your stories and, and obviously your posts. Um, I, I want to go back first to, you say you work for that restaurant group. Uh, are your Mondays more or less stressful now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the difference is not that I didn't, I was not, I liked the restaurant group. I mean, I liked working in restaurants, but I, I don't think that many people can say, and I'm definitely not making a living, but uh, not many people can say they are doing something that they really, really love. So it's definitely hectic. You got to keep up. And especially now, since I'm like writing for the tour, it adds a little more deadline. You got to get an article out and those kind of things. But like to do something that you truly love is, I mean, there's a ton of value in that. They're just, it's just, uh, so yeah, it's a little hectic, especially now. Uh, like I write for the art, like it's easy to make a tweet, but now I got to write an article. So you need to know even more about these guys. And so, yeah, it's stressful, but I get to do something I love. It's pretty cool. I read your piece on the Honda, the Super Bowl of Monday Qs. That was great. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so give our give our listeners a sense of your prep, what the prep work is like. Um, you know, I think what I'm most interested in you, you get you get the stats that no one ever sees, right? You get the the scores, obviously, that you have other pros that are following your account, trying to just follow their buddies and stay up to date on this as well as you know fans all around the world but the stories how do you get the stories i mean you know whether it's a a guy who's sleeping in his car the night before the qualifier or um somebody who's working part-time as a landscaper like you get this stuff do you have just like a huge swath of of sources that you're constantly going to yeah as as the account has grown it's i mean these stories have gotten easier i mean so what i get now uh, let me go back to the beginning. So what I did in the beginning was like, as it started to grow, I would look at like the pre-qualifier. So for followers that don't know, there's a pre-qualifier before Monday qualifiers for PGA tour events. And I just look and see who got through and see if they had any interesting story, just like a simple Google search. Um, as it evolved, like, and then a lot of those guys started to follow me. So I would just reach out and really what I tried to do was be, I used to be reactive at the beginning. Like I'd see they Monday qualified and then I try to figure out their story. Uh, and now as it's grown, I've tried to be more proactive as I can as get as many of these stories as I can prior to Monday. So when Monday comes, I already have, uh, their story. So, um, but now as it's grown, it's gotten much easier. A guys reach out to me a lot on their own. Uh, some of these guys have like, you know, minor like agents that are, you know, want to get their players any exposure so i get a lot of that club reps uh people from their home course uh grandmothers mothers wives any of the above is kind of where i get stories now 
and but what it's nice about that is i can go to a different level it's just not a surface i can talk to their mom or who follows me or their wife and and kind of get a more in-depth personal story than like hey this guy lives in this car i can get pictures or those kind of things I've heard different stories of the followers of your account, you know, people following for specific reasons. Uh, yep. You know, it's Harold Varner just checking on his buddy or yep. it's uh, the gambling degenerates that want to get an edge, you know, on the field going into the tournament uh, yep. and, and agents who are trying to find, you know, the next big talent yep. coming up through the, the ranks. What, what's the strangest story you've heard of somebody, you know, following your account? Yeah, I mean, it, it's so... It's the evolution of the account is so crazy. Like right now, uh, I mean, hopefully people are listening that I haven't answered a DM, but I mean, I get 30 or 40 DMs right now because the gambling space is uh, gambling on mini tours and these guys are just like desperate for any information. And so I probably get 40 DMs a day when a tournament's going on of like, Hey, do you know anything about this guy or look at this group of players and, uh, those kind of things. So, uh, that, but I mean, uh, I got a story from a, a grandmother who created a Twitter account at like 77, 78 years old. I believe she was, uh, had nothing to like, no idea. The message kind of came in like a broken DM. She was learning how to DM, uh, and so, yeah, that's probably the crazy. She created a Twitter account just to tell her grandson's story. <laughs> that's awesome. It's that... a really good story that I've been holding on to. Like, that's the hard part for me is like, there's so many good stories that haven't been told, but I don't want to tell them just to like, oh, hey, the guy finished 20th at a West Florida event. Here's his story. Uh, and and this story is great. So when it when it gets out there, it's going to be, how I got the story is going to be a good story. Yeah. You're just, it makes you jump on their bandwagon even more because you're begging for them to play well so you can talk about them. Exactly. Uh, some of the stats, I, I'm not much of a stat guy, and I know you, you share some pretty interesting things from these qualifiers and, and mini tours all over. But, you know, I, I just, for our listeners, to put it in perspective, I think the average last spot from a Monday qualifier last year. Uh, to get in was 66.42. Um, yeah. Can you give, I, I, can you give our, our, our audience kind of a sense of three things, the, uh, the courses that these guys play on these Monday qualifiers, the, the setups that they experience, and, and then th- three, and probably most importantly, their skill level, how freaking good they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of go back to the first event that I caddied for Ryan. And I mean, obviously, you know, this, you, you played college golf is I think the common fan. And back then I would consider myself a common fan, maybe a little bit more knowledge because I played some college golf, but you know, I mean, I remember playing that first 18 holes with Ryan. I don't remember exactly what he shot of 68 or 67 or what doesn't matter, but it was very easy. And so from a skill level perspective, I don't think the common fan has any understanding uh, of how good these guys are and how thin the line is between guys like Ryan and, and, you know, the top 50 player in the world. Um, but the courses, I mean, I tweeted it out yesterday. I, I notor- I always get, when I say like it costs $450 for a Monday qualifier, a guy, always a fan always says, 
where follower always says, oh, I'd pay $450 to play a nice course. And my tweet back to them was, most Monday qualifying courses are probably 48 bucks uh, with a cart. I mean, uh, first of all, no one wants to tie up their course for a long time, for a whole day. Uh, for the most part, the Honda and the, and the waste management are probably the exceptions. But I went out to the waste management. I mean, it's a 36-hole uh, course. On the other 18, they had public. The range wasn't closed to the public. I mean, this, nobody really wants a Monday qualifier at their course. So the quality of course is often not great. Uh, um, I mean, there's been courses that are, you know, glorified municipal courses. They're, the PGA Tour, as far as setup goes, I mean, the setup on a PGA Tour Monday is, is a little bit harder. A corn ferry is pretty straightforward, relatively easy, because they get some players that shouldn't have any business and they want to speed it along and be done with it. There's guys that are going to shoot 90 in a corn ferry because of the reasons I just said. They think that they can go out there and have some fun for 300 bucks. So relatively easy, but again, to average 66 on any course is to get the last spot is impressive. I mean, I think last year on the corn Ferry tour, I think there was six times that a 64 was only good enough for a playoff. So, uh, on any course with a relatively easy setup, it's still pretty impressive. And and those are the courses for the Monday qualifier. What are the pre Monday qualifiers like? Yeah. I mean, they're, these are pretty rough. I mean, again, when it's hard to, you know, I've talked to a lot of section tournament directors that want us to set these up. It's hard to go to a course and say, Hey, I want to take your course for a day for people you've never heard of. And your members are going to have to, you know, not be able to play. Uh, it's tied up the whole entire day. And, and people are excited if that was a corn fairy. I mean, I go back to the corn fairy, corn fairy struggles at time to find courses. So, uh, to, to do a pre-qualifier. Yeah. These are, these are pretty bad courses. Um, <laughs> Ed Laura always says like, you know, if you want to spend $450, go play pebble because you're going to be super disappointed if you spend 450 bucks to, to play a Monday qualifying course. <laughs> uh, is there any locally that, uh, that you can share that put in perspective for our local members at least? Uh, you know what? I, I can't remember the name of the course. Uh, it was funny. I wish I remember I've caddied there twice and I can never remember the name of the course, but the, uh, it used to be the rest only of now the Evan scholar Monday qualifiers, all the players are like, this is the best course we play all year. And it was funny. The event in the rust the week before they were in North Carolina and there was floods and they played it as a par 67 or something like that. They played par fives as a par three, like the whole, the greens were uh, aerated. I mean, like that's kind of a, a standard of, of what it is, but I mean, take a fifth, like go around Chicago and look at the $50 uh, for 18 holes uh, green fees. And that that's kind of the standard of, of Monday qualifiers. So before this hiatus, let's get to some current stories because sure. You're one of the few outlets out there. If you're craving pro golf and you're listening to this, uh, Monday Q info is one of the only places you'll find it right now. Um, 
So maybe before going into the hiatus, who was somebody you had your eyes on as, you know, the Mr. Monday of 2020? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, on a developmental tour level, there's two guys, uh, Mark Anguiano and Matt Pisconso. I mean, these guys have, like, dominated mini tour golf here for a while. And uh, Mark's, got a, Mark's got a really good story. He's been, he got some help when he first got out of college. A guy wrote him a check and said, hey, when this runs out, you're done. But um, he had a good, you know, he's played well. He had a great year in Canada a couple of years ago. He'd been playing pro golf on his on his own, and then he kind of lost his swing for a while. And he went from, he was doing well, supporting himself, and he was $20,000 in debt. And I interviewed him uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, I had missed it first stage again. I was $20,000 in debt. I was driving home. He's like, there was no option for me. He's like, people are like, oh, just quit and go get a job. Well, when you're $20,000 in debt, I've never had a job on my resume. What job do you think I'm going to get that I'm going to be able to pay off this debt? He's like, my only way was to go play well. And so uh, he switched to Bradley Hughes, who was kind of fixed. I mean, obviously fixed Brendan Todd or helped fix Brendan Todd. And, uh, and now he's, he's dug himself out of debt. And so, you know, he was living at home. Uh, I mean, these are, these are the stories of those guys that are out here, but he is super talented. Uh, he just finished like 10th last week or this week, yesterday. Um, he's really good. And Matt, Matt's a great story. Matt's 37 years old. Uh, he played, he, he played one year of college golf, barely, uh, like was kind of in a bad crowd, never picked up a club for seven years. And then like to get his life back in order, he's like, I got to dedicate myself to something. It was golf. And now he's like dominating mini tours. Uh, those two guys are, are pretty good stories and probably have been the best players the early part of 2020 so far. Those are the people we, I think everyone enjoys rooting for, obviously overcome some adversity, but just uh, make some, <laughs> relatable in a lot of ways. I think that's what people enjoy so much about your account. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that was, has been the interest in the account is, uh, you know, the, I think pro golf is thought of as elitist and that's what we see is, you know, guys flying private and, uh, and like we think of pro golf as Rory and Tiger and Dustin, and we don't see this side of pro golf. And, a large, I mean, of course, there's plenty of guys who are playing mini tour golf who have come from money and don't have to worry a day about entry fees or debt or anything. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there. Golf still has a lot of money in it, even at the mini tour level. But there is plenty of guys, a large portion of them, that you know are living paycheck to paycheck, are surviving only because people help them out, are working as a caddy. I mean, I just heard, I don't know if Eric Barnes is a web a web player i mean he's working at Publix right now you know uh stocking shelves at midnight and playing playing uh mini tour events and hoping to get into a web event i mean that's a web member so i think there's a lot more than that than people have and people know and so i think that's part of the interest in the in the account is the human interest side of it yeah and th- those that may not appreciate the fact that you know if you do a pre Monday qualifier. I know I, I this put you help put it in perspective for me uh following your account, but you know, you do a pre 
Monday qualifier on like a Tuesday or a Thursday, yep. Yep. you got five nights to, to cover until you get to your Monday qualifier. So it adds up. Yeah. I mean, you, a Monday qualifier, you know, I've like, it depends on where you travel and all those kind of things and your status and all that, but a relatively good estimate for just a Monday is, you know, a thousand bucks to 1200 bucks, depending on hotel, where you fly in from all those kind of things you played, like you said, I mean, you played Tuesday or Thursday in a pre-qualifier and now you're stuck in the middle of Utah, for instance, that's coming up like, or, you know, Texas or whatever. Now you got five or six days. You got to figure out a place to practice. You got to figure out a place to stay. And then you're waiting for a four spot against a hundred really good golfers to see if you can get in. So yeah, you can be, you can be uh 15 to two, two grand in the hole before you tee it up on Monday. Yeah. The, the mental, uh, perseverance of that life is, yes. it's definitely what scared me out of going that route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time is like, I, I don't want people to think that Monday qualifiers are fun. There's not like I've caddied in a bunch of Monday qualifiers. And like I said, you know, you, you, you know, the game well enough, like a Monday qualifier or pre-qualifier, there is not many more miserable places in pro golf than there. Like I've caddied in a plenty of groups where everybody's out of it. I mean, it is a pretty miserable place. It's uh, no one's really talking. So people are trying to figure out where they're going to go next or whatever. I mean, it's uh, if you're looking for like kind of a living hell in pro golf, Monday qualifiers or pre qualifiers is, is, is a good place to start so tough because we talk a lot in our golf society about you know when you can shift away from score you can enjoy yourself you get a beautiful day you can you know, you're not so bent out of shape about missing a bogey putt or whatever but in that situation that's all it is you know yeah. the result is everything because you're in 20k in, in debt or because you this is your path like you have to make that happen yeah i mean again i i've catted in groups where they're like oh this is my last year and so now you're halfway through the season and, you know, your 68 is fine. Uh, you know, the saying 68 is good any day except for Monday. And like, you know, it, it's just, it's not a fun place. Like I love to caddy in Monday qualifiers, but to say I have fun is, is not really the case. A, I've never gotten through with a player, but B like, it's, it's not a lot of fun. Even I've caddied in a group where the guy's going to get through how the other two guys are pissed that, that they're, they're not the guy getting through. It's not like a lot of like, Oh, congratulations. That's great. Outside of maybe being a friend, but like if it's just three random guys and one of the guys in the group's getting through the other two guys are like, Oh, this is great for this guy. No, they're like, I wish it was me. Yeah. Where's my ticket? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right now, most of what you're uh, sharing, you know, with your, your followers is the developmental tours. Um, there's a surprising number that are still up and running (laughs) during a pandemic. What, what are, what are some of these tours and give us some background on on what you're paying attention to? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, my wife's a nurse, so I, it's, it's like, it's hard for me to find the societal side and whether these guys should still be playing or not. And whether I covering people look for me to cover, I don't know if I agree that they're playing, but they are playing. Uh, yeah, the outlaw event. Uh, the outlaw tour is probably, and is the one that's going the most. And I, I think it's probably the most appropriately named tour in all of pro golf. They've been going continuously, 
Um, I mean, and they're getting big fields. Scottsdale is obviously uh, is, uh, where a lot of mini tour pros live. So people don't have to, won't, don't have to fly in and, uh, they're getting fields like last week's that just ended yesterday was 80 guys, I think. So, uh, I, I literally thought they changed the tour's name to outlaw tour because of the pandemic, but that's <laughs> been around, right? Like that was their name beforehand. Yeah, that was their name beforehand. And believe it or not, the guy, the tournament director calls himself sheriff and wears a cowboy hat and cowboy boots on the first tee. And then, <laughs> then again, that has not, that has not changed. That's not because of pandemic. That's not like they've and, created the image. This is who they are. It's 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 like you can't make this stuff up. Players are wearing bandanas. They look like cowboys. It looks like it, the Wild West. It it is crazy. Yeah. So they're going, and then uh, this week, uh, the West Florida tour and the West Florida tour is definitely taking it the most serious. Uh, they're doing twosomes, um, carts only. There's no exchanging of cards. Uh, no handing in cards to the tournament director. Uh, I mean, they are the tour that has done the most as far as like protocols of putting, putting things in place. Um, but I mean, tours are really starting to get back. The minor league tour was going to get going. The golden state tour is, uh, the guy who owns the golden state tour owns the outlaw tour. Now, uh, they're playing, but they're playing in Arizona. Um, so yeah, I mean, mini tour golf is getting going, and I had said this before. Assuming the PJ Tour can tee off in in June, the fields are going to be really awesome because these guys have been all sitting in their house for a month and a half with no place to play. So they're going to knock off some rust at a mini tour event for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because there's some uh, heated exchanges on Twitter with folks talking about Alex Checa taking checks and other, other top pros that are, you know, have PGA tour status showing up to these minis. What, what is, what's, what's your personal opinion on that? Yeah. So, uh, this actually started. So I asked, um, I asked a player, so the West Florida tour last year had, uh, if you won one of their majors, then the four players who won the majors were going to play for $10,000 and Daniel Chopra, who has, I don't know, $10 million or something like that won one of the majors. He plays mini tours all the time, won one of the majors. So he's in this one for four thing. And it really brought it to a head. And, and I asked one of the other players in there, I was like, does it bother you? And he's like, no, I want to be on the PGA tour. I have to beat these guys. I have to beat players way better than Daniel Chopra. I might as well beat him here. He's like, of course, I think about the fact that he doesn't need $10,000, but he paid an entry fee just the same as I did. He won fair and square and, and he ended up winning the $10,000 and it is what it is. So yeah, fast forward to Alex Chaka. Here's what I'll say is I've never ran into a player that has a problem with it. Of course there probably is players out there who have a problem with it, who aren't going to say it to me, but every player I've asked and I've asked all of them off the record, I would never share it with them or like, I mean, and it, nothing against Alex Chaka, but he's 49 years old. He's 604th in the world. If you're scared of Alex Chaka, you know, the pro golf, maybe not for you. Um, I mean, Calum Hill is playing in events. He's in the 103rd, you know, he's 130th in the world. I don't know what these people who are against it want. Like, I don't think any pro golfer is going to take a check from Alex Chaka and he goes, Oh, I don't want this. Here's, here's a check. Like no, no one's going to do it. 
and Alex Jake is 49 and 604th in the world. So my personal opinion is uh, pro golf is a pretty scary place. And if you're scared of Alex Jake, maybe, maybe it's not, not for you. <laughs> that's, I, that's a, a, a player's perspective for sure. I think the optics of it look troublesome, but I, I agree yeah, with you. I, I mean, again, I agree. I, I don't know what the, the money aspect, the fact that they're playing is no problem to me whatsoever. The money aspect is a little bit harder. There is a guy like Alex Jake could just beat Eddie Olson, who Eddie and I have become friends. I mean, this is a guy who grew up with a single mom who lives paycheck to paycheck. He is not a country club kid. He's not anything. He's grinded forever. In fact, he wasn't even going to go to Q school this year. And like a friend of his sent him five grand to, to get into Q school, that difference between the first and second place check is a huge amount to Eddie and obviously is not, not much to think. That part, I wish if there was an easy way to figure out the money situation, then that I wouldn't have as much a problem with. But getting beat by Alex Chaco or Daniel Chopra or anybody, that's that really is it is what it is. Yeah, the, the player mentality has to be, I, I, I'm going to beat anybody. I have to get hot and right. win this thing regardless. Uh, you bring up Eddie Olsen. I, I was laughing out loud last week with the video that I, I guess it's viral. Did you? Were you the one that shared the video? Yeah, Eddie. Eddie uh, so ex- explain it for those that haven't seen it, but then yeah. also give us the background. Yeah, so um, Eddie and I have become friends. He's super nice to me and, and has, been, uh, has been great to – like I'm very helpful and his sponsor has been very nice to me. So Eddie and I talking and, and he said, Hey man, I got my umbrella stolen. So Eddie's got a great story. Like I said, it came up for a single mom and those kind of things. So, uh, he lives in Las Vegas now, doesn't have a place to practice because the courses are closed. So he was going to a local park, um, and practicing and it was only 150 yards long. He would take his umbrella and put it out like a hundred yards and hit wedges at it. So he, he's uh, videoing his own swing. And all of a sudden a person jumps the fence of the baseball field where he's playing, <laughs> runs onto the field, steals the umbrella and starts to run. And the video is Eddie. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite part of the video is, that it takes Eddie kind of like a couple seconds to process what's happening. Like you can see the person running away with his umbrella and Eddie <laughs> standing there like stunned. There's like a split second. And then Eddie yells at the person and starts to run after him. And they like drop the umbrella and start to run away. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, and you're living in this world where this, these things happen. You know, a guy trying to make it, hitting balls in a park, gets his umbrella stolen. <laughs> I mean, it like it epitomizes the Monday Q mini tour grind in one video perfectly. It like, really a, did. He's practicing in a park with his own balls, videoing his own swing like in a baseball field hitting at an umbrella that in itself just epitomizes the mini tour life. Uh, and then someone steals his umbrella is, is just, I mean, it was gold. I, I, uh, if you haven't seen it, go obviously follow, uh, Ryan's account and then and check out that video. Cause I, I was crying laughing. 
Um, and I'll be an Eddie fan for the rest of the, his <laughs> career, I guarantee. Um, another st- recent story uh, from your account is the Outlaw Tour had to DQ most of the field uh, yeah. in one event for playing the wrong tee box. Yeah. What happened there? So this is kind of like there's moments that I have the account that, like I think, how crazy is this? I got a, I got a text from a player in the field in the middle of it. <laughs> of like hey this is happening so again no golf this was like no other tours nothing is going on this was literally only the event so i tweeted out he said hey a bunch of players got dq'd there's like a lot of arguing going on i'll send you the details later so evidently it was a par three a lot of the players had not played the outlaw tour of events before they do have their own their own t markers as you know, in, in public or in uh, mini tour events, the public plays before and after the events. It's not like it's closed to the, to the tour. So these players that were new went to the far back tees on a par three where you couldn't see the other tees. It was like a downhill par three. So they just went to the fur to this tee. And then the first group teed off on the wrong at the wrong uh, tee markers. And then there was a backup on that hole. So everyone just followed suit. And, uh, it, the four, the fifth group, there was a separation. Uh, actually Mark Anguiano was in the group. He had a hit from the wrong tee, but was on the green. So he could still go back with a two stroke penalty and replay the hole. So a group, when the backup got done, cleared the, the next group came as like, Hey, I think these guys hit from the wrong tee. So, uh, there was some discussion about like, whose fault it was and whose, uh, whose fault it wasn't. I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it's, it's the player's responsibility. There was some discussion. The yardage was wrong on the card and those kind of things. But in typical sheriff fashion, the guy who runs the tour, he put out a, a message. Like it was basically like, Hey, tough crap. And you're, you're out of luck. So, and, and he, uh, ended it with a sheriff out and a peace sign in his statement, which was, I mean, so on brand that I, I can't even talk about how good that was. Could you say see Jay Monahan kind of just putting something out there like that? <laughs> like Jay out, sheriff out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was like sixty guys in the field, and fifteen of them got got Dairy Queen. So, man. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's 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 an example for folks who maybe in their minds minds eye are thinking okay, PGA Tour Monday Q or these minis have to be a version of it, right? They have to be. It's tournament golf. I assure you, it is far different than the PGA Tour you're thinking of. Yeah, I mean, again, the backup that happens on the tee from the first group is because they're playing behind public people. Uh, yeah, I mean, Monday qualify. I use, here's another Alex Chinkis story. I was out at the Waste Management. I fly in, I come in on Sunday. I walk to the course to like meet guys and see if they're they're uh, playing practice rounds. I hear the announcer go, Cheka, Jones, someone. I don't recognize the other names that Cheka's with. So I walk to the first tee, and it's Alex Cheka and three people from like that had just signed up to play golf. And they're like, <laughs> is that? they asked me, is like, is that Alex Cheka? And I, I said, I said to one guy, do you know who that is? And he's like, no. And I said, that's Alex Chick. And he's like, who's that? And I said, yeah, he's won like four times on the European tour. 
And he's like, are you serious? They all get out their phones. He's made like $20 million playing golf. Yeah. And these guys were like judging on their first swing. I mean, they were going to, if one of them was going to break 90, that would have been good. And I mean, Alex Chink is playing with these guys. So yeah, there is a, the divide between the PGA tour and Monday qualifying slash mini tour life is, is as large as the largest ocean. It's, there's two different worlds. With uh, the, the hiatus in pro golf, obviously, and, and Monday Q's uncertainty, uh, Q school's uncertainty, or maybe canceled this year. I'm not even sure. Um, what, what, you talk to these pros all the time. Uh, what, how, is this, how is this hitting them? Yeah, I mean, I'll use a guy I just talked to. I mean, uh, Matt Short is, is a pretty good story. And he just called me to confirm that Q school is canceled. And I mean, Matt's been at it for 13 or 14 years. I think he's like 36 or 37. And he really started to play well last year. He, he hadn't been in a PGA Tour sanctioned event until last year. And then Monday qualified three out of four weeks in a row and made a cut and all those kind of things. So like really building momentum for a truly a lifelong grinder. And now, you know, I just tweeted this morning is like, to put things in perspective about Q school being canceled is, you know, you are not going to reach the PGA tour. If you have no status right now, you're not going to reach the PGA tour in the best case scenario until 2023. And for a guy like Matt, who's, you know, 35, 36, three years is a long time. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people are, are super deflated. I will speak to Matt. Matt is a lifer for sure. <laughs> Matt said to me at the end, he's like, it just means more people will quit and I'll be there quicker. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. He ain't giving up for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is, this is a de- deflating time for guys that, that have no status for sure. I mean, a good friend of mine who I've caddied for, I mean, he started taking real estate, uh, classes, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta put it out, put it in like, I mean, it's a long time to say three years away. I mean, Guys, as you know, on the Corn Ferry Tour, don't make money. So to say you're going to make any real money for three years is, is rough. So, yeah, the, the mood is uh, is definitely solemn for the guys that I talk to. The only positive that I will say is Mini Tour Golf has a chance to get back to really good fields with good purses because everyone doesn't have a place to play. It's so divisive – not divisive, but it's so divided because – some play Latin America and some play China, some play Canada. So if all those are canceled and many tours are going, purses will be decent for the first time in a long time. So you might be able to squeak out a, a small living on a mini tour. Whereas now basically you got no shot outside of having a great year. That's, that's interesting. Cause I, I was thinking about it almost opposite where, you know, if the economy continues to take the hit it is and will these mini tours be around but you're saying there's less options to play therefore more players more cash and into these minis yeah i mean i i think that's a much deeper discussion i agree with you i mean there's going to be many tours who don't survive and there's going to be a lot of players i mean a lot of players for your followers that don't know a lot of your a lot of players rely on sponsors and when i say sponsors it's not like a company it's guys from their club who pitch in 10 grand a piece to make a living. I mean, that money is going to dry up for sure. This is going to have an effect. 
there's going to be far more players that quit than players that take the advantage of having a mini tours. And, and I'm sure it'll affect mini tours in the long run. I think the economic impact will be long, more longer term in a very short term. And I'm talking three or four months. Mini tour golf is going to be pretty good. The effect on mini tour golf in a year or even little less than that six months. I, I really don't know. It, it, it's definitely going to, it's going to hurt it for sure. Well, we got a, uh, a young man we, we've helped uh, sponsor in small ways who's an ambassador for our golf society, local kid, Ray Knoll, who yep. uh, has gotten his game together and is working his butt off to, to yep. make a run. And this is obviously talking to him about this hiatus. It's just, just what you're saying, you know, he, he's got a little runway in front of him, so he doesn't feel it that way, but, but man, he got his uh, Latin American status and was ready to go. And it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard for these guys. This is their dream. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of guys that are just like, you know, day by day, week by week to see where this all ends up for sure. Well, we, uh, we'll let you go here in a little bit. I got a couple more questions for you that I'm just curious. You being uh, a, a caddy extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you, if you uh, had, to, if you could caddy for anyone on the big tour, who would you yeah. be most interested in looping for? Yeah, I mean, I think any grinder, uh, like, I, I think they have the most interesting life. Like Jim Herman, who's kind of one out of the blue. Uh, I mean, before Brennan won a couple times, Brennan Todd would be interesting. I mean, I think, again, it goes back to the fact that, I mean, these guys just don't have the tour. I'd like to get an inside-the-ropes tour perspective from a guy who is not in the top 25 in the world. It would be it would be cool to see, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just now on the inside, but they had looked in in from outside a lot, a long time. Now you're in the party. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you were filming a documentary on the mini tour life, but you could only choose one tour to follow, which one are you going with? That's a really good question. Um, and that's a really good question. I'd probably pick. Uh, the all pro tour, the APT tour. I mean, they have the biggest fields. Uh, if I was going to follow a person, Dan, Dan Leafstrand, you guys got an unreal story that, uh, he lived in a, a, I know we're running short on time. He lived in a storage shed for a year and a half. So, uh, where, whereabouts in California, he, uh, his story will never like, it should be made into a documentary. Yeah, he, he's a pool hustler. He made uh, a lot of money pool hustling. Got some money taken from him for a reason. Like It's just a crazy story of how he lost all his money. So he, he was living in a storage shed and playing uh, mini tour events on the side. I, I was talking to uh, an, an older friend of mine about, he was talking the glory days of the tour, and, and he was specifically, I think, referring to people like um, Sam Sneed and and jimmy demerit before him and how they were all kind of hustlers like that was the way right that's how you got by and and he goes it just doesn't exist it doesn't and the whole time i'm thinking i think i think it does it's just not on the pga tour yeah and no one wants to yeah and no one wants to broadcast it right like i mean don's like super open about the fact that like hey i'm a really good pool player i'm gonna go make some money doing it i'm sure there's plenty of players like him uh i mean andy pope i know uh is a legend when it comes to golden tea, but he kind of like downplays it. 
understandably like it's just like it's not the way the people want to portray themselves so yeah yeah um last question for you when when the pga tour does start back up and hopefully uh you'll be busy with monday qualifiers uh, to document for all of us um is there somebody you haven't mentioned yet that we should be rooting for uh yeah i mean uh, i think that there's uh there's there's always good guys like uh i mean there's always grinders the I mean, there's a monday qualifier uh that's coming up it'll be the same week as the Ryder cup assuming the Ryder cup plays uh gavin hall uh monday qualified probably one of the like he's probably having one of the best years uh he was he played at the university of texas was like i think seventh in the world world amateur rankings that really struggled like had the driver yips and like just kind of lost it for a while in his back he's going to be in an event but yeah i mean any grinders uh it's always interesting i mean it'll be a little longer now with the wraparound season but I think there's a lot more interesting stories in the 125 range of keeping your card than there is at the top of the leaderboard. So I just encourage people to to pay attention to the bottom of the leaderboard as much as the top. There's a many more interesting, life-changing things happening at that level than there is up at the top. Well said. It's it is uh, it, once you get into it. I think that's the barrier most people have, right? That they. They don't know these people. They they don't. But once you understand what's at stake for them, uh, you will be hooked. And it it like you said, I'm I'm as interested in knowing you know who made that cut as I am for who's winning the tournament. Yeah, I, I think that that media TV especially does a very poor job of of telling the entire story of what's going on, and and that is no shot at the common fan. They just don't understand the things that are going on. Uh, I mean, I I talk about it. A lot. I mean, like uh, Bo Hostler, like it was was on the cusp of like making a top ten a couple of weeks before the pandemic hit, and like he had limited status. I mean, you're talking about a guy who one stroke here, one stroke there can can uh, keep his card. I mean, I I came in a group at the the uh, Rocket Mortgage last year with Martin Pillar. I mean, Martin Pillar's story is an epitome of what can happen. He was 126 on the money list in 2000 and whatever. doesn't matter. A couple of years ago. And I think it was Harris English made a putt on the last hole to knock him to 126. He would have been 125 had Harris English missed that putt. And his career has never recovered. He's never had status. That putt, one stroke the entire season. And it's changed his career immensely. I mean, he has never had status again on the PGA tour. And that was like four or five years ago. Had that putt not gone in, you never know. So there's way more interesting stories uh, or life changing, not not interesting, life changing than there is happening on the top of the leaderboard. 90% of the weeks in the tour. You know what I, what I also enjoy about you and your account is the interjection of, of you Ryan and your personal life. So, uh, uh, did you guys end up getting the new Labrador for the family? No, we haven't yet. So, uh, that one fell through, but we will get one. Uh, I've been a lab guy. We, we just lost our bulldog a while ago. So yeah, there will be a, there'll be a lab puppy soon. Good, good golf dog. Good. That's yep. what we, we love golf dogs. Um, and my wife, my wife also being a nurse, I just wanted to, to say, I, I, I feel you, man. I know, 
right now it's a little crazy uh, with them going in every day, you know, with, with all that we got going on. So um, also you sharing those aspects of, of your life, I think is really helpful for people right now, understanding the, you know, the severity of what's, what's happening out in the world. And it's, it's not just golf and, you know, families are being affected. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks to your wife and you guys. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not, uh, the good news is uh, we are a lot better off than a lot of people. My wife is, is safe right now and helping some people and same as yours and tons of people. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy time. And I think that, uh, hopefully it makes all of us appreciate what we have golf or non golf. <laughs> that's well said and your son jackson too is a special young man I wanted to uh, send our our uh, our love from the golf society because his his story alone is i know it's a part of your story but uh his story alone is is motivating it's moving he's a special young man yeah thank you thanks jackson's uh jackson's a tough kid and uh he's doing doing wetter and again uh i say this all the time as you spend enough time in, in children's hospital you gained some perspective on, on what Jack was going through was not as, as tough as what a lot of, a lot of kids. So yeah, you spend, you spend enough days in a children's hospital. Uh, you put, it puts life in perspective pretty damn quick. Were you guys at, at Lurie for everything? Uh, advocate, uh, advocate. Yep. Out in, in Oak park. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Wonderful. Uh, our neurologist, Dr. John Ruge, who I try to give as much credit to is just, an unbelievable guy. He's wonderful. He's been awesome to our family, changed our son's life and, and, and can't thank him enough. Well, I know we talked a lot of, uh, a lot of fun golf and, and some, some good, uh, enjoyable stories, but that's probably the best place to end off is saying thanks to healthcare workers and, and those beautiful people. So Ryan, thank you for, for, uh, joining us today. I had a lot of fun chatting with you, man. And I, I hope we could get you out to one of our, uh, society events this, this season and play some golf. Dude, I'd love to, I'd, uh, give me a couple rounds to, to figure out where the, where the center of the club face is. And, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get warmed up. We'll see you soon, man. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.